David and Goliath. This is one of my favorite stories out of the whole Bible. I love a good action movie. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I love an action movie a lot more than I love a romance movie. So this has got all the action you can want. And, I, and it's, of course, every good action movie, every good movie, if it's a good movie, it's got to have a good ending. If you, if you watch a movie that doesn't have a good ending, that's not a good movie. It doesn't matter if the whole movie's good, you get to the end, and the end's no good, that's the whole movie's no good then, in my eyes. It's got to have a good ending. All right, we're going to start there in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Look, look at verse 4. Let's start up at verse 4 for time's sake. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That means he was about nine foot tall and nine inches, about nine foot tall and almost ten foot tall. This is a really tall dude. This guy's even taller than Caleb. This guy's tall, man. He's a tall dude, big dude. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. That's about 156 pounds. His, that's more than some of us weigh in here. 156 pounds. He's carrying this around as a coat. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. It weighed about 18 pounds. That's a really, really heavy, heavy staff with this heavy 18-pound spearhead on it. This is a bad dude. <laughs> This is a dude you don't want to meet in an alley, amen? I mean, this is a bad, bad dude. Verse 8, And he stood and cried unto, uh, unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am, I, am not I a Philistine and you servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail... Against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. So it's a challenge. He said, Hey, why aren't we all going to fight here? Why don't we just have one battle? It'd be me against your best guy. And if I beat your best guy, we'll be servants to you. But if you beat me and are able to kill me, then we'll be servants to you. So it's like a challenge. And it, it, don't you wish wars were like that today? Yeah. Amen. Where if, if two countries are fighting and uh, whoever it is, President Trump or Obama, whoever, if they send men over, say, no, 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 Obama, you're going to go over there and we're going to get the president of Iran and y'all going to get in a cage and y'all going to fist fight in a cage like an MMA fight. And whoever wins, that's who wins the war. It'll save a lot of bloodshed. And it's, I would love that. That would be a lot better. It ain't like that. And you're going to find out, in truth, it doesn't turn out to be that way at the end of this story either. Verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Give me a man that we may fight together. So Goliath has a question. He says, give me a man that we may fight together. You know what? The Lord's looking for some men that are willing to fight for him. And you know, you might not realize as Christian, but uh, you're in a battle. You're in a battle. The world and the devil wants to fight you. And they're out to fight you. It says, give me a man that we may fight together. The world's out to fight you. And a lot of Christians don't even realize they're in a fight. They're in a battle. They're oblivious to the fact that the world hates them. The devil hates them. And the devil and the world's out to fight you. They don't just want to pick on you. They just don't want to bully you and take your lunch money. They want to fight you and kill you. They're out to get you. 
When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Well, here comes our hero, verse 12. Now David was a son of the Ephrathite of the Bethlehem, Judea, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And a man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. So David's dad, Jesse, was an old man. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the next to him was Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. So this is a young kid. David was young at this time. I should speak to y'all guys' hearts, y'all young guys in the back. This, this is a young guy. This isn't some old man. This isn't some 30-year-old strong man that's been lifting weights all his life. It's just some kid. And the Lord uses kids. He'll use you, it don't matter how old you are. When I first started preaching, I was a young guy. When they first called me to teach a Sunday school, I was uh, really, really young. And I remember I was like 21, 22, and everybody else was over 60 in my Sunday school class. And why are y'all making me do this? Why are y'all making me do this? I was a young guy. But, they, but the Lord called me. The Lord called me, and that's what he had for me. Verse 14, and David was the youngest. Verse 15, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. This has been going on for 40 days. Over a month, this guy's been showing up and nobody's willing to take the challenge. Nobody's willing to take the challenge of the giant Goliath. And Jesse said unto David, verse 17, His son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. Look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So Jesse tells David, Hey, I want you to take some food down there to your brother and to some of these other men and try to feed them and help them out. Go down and see what's going on down in the battle. So David's sent by his father, just like Jesus Christ was sent by his father. David was a shepherd, just like Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Do you see where this is going? All these are great types of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 20, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. And took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. So they ended up fighting down there in the valley. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up with the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. So here comes Goliath again. And of course, when he shows up, everybody runs off. Because he's 10 foot tall. Do you blame him? <laughs> don't be in there. Don't, I don't want y'all sitting out there this morning saying, well, I would have fought him. No, you would have ran, you chicken liver. And I'd have been right behind you, if not in front of you. I might run a little faster. I'd have been running a little faster than you. This guy's a bad dude. It's real easy to talk a big game when somebody's not in the room, Amen. I heard that so many times. Well, I tell you what I'd do to that guy if you'd said that to me. And the guy walks in the room, you're thinking, there he is. Why don't you say something to him? And the guy just keeps his mouth shut. Just chicken liver. We need some Christians that are courageous. Amen. We need to stop running our mouths. Verse 24, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. They were sore afraid. They were afraid of this giant. Guys, don't be afraid of the giants the world sends your way. 
The second point I want to make to you this morning is I want to make the point is don't be afraid of the giants the world is going to send your way. The world's going to send you some giant questions. And that's what they'll do. They'll send you some giant questions they have. And, I, I, you know, it could be any kind of question. Where did, where did Cain get his wife? Or it could be, how did Noah get all those animals on the ark? And so we have answers to a lot of the, but they don't like our answers. That's the problem. They got giant questions, but they don't like our answers. And let me remind you of something about these giant questions and these answers that they want us to have. Not everybody has an answer. The truth is, nobody has the answers. They want us to have all the answers. Nobody has answers. We won't have the answers until we get the other side of heaven on a lot of things. But they don't have the answers either. Don't let them fool you. They don't even know how, they don't even understand gravity. They see how it works, but they don't know what gravity is. There's a lot, they can't cure baldness. Amen. They don't have the answers. They can't cure the common cold. This, the flu is running epidemic in Brownwood. The flu, epidemic in Brownwood. The flu is everywhere in Brownwood. You know what they made everybody do in Brownwood? Get flu shots. And flu is just running around. They don't have all the answers. Always remember that, guys. No matter how much they try to fool you with, with all these great pictures on TV, and they try to fool you with all these great words, they don't have the answers either. But the Bible has the answers. Amen. It doesn't have all. The answers are there. We might not know what the question even is. You got to ask the right question to get the right answer. Another giant the world will send your way. The giant will send you, the world will send you giant theories. Like the theory of evolution and the theory of atheism. They'll send you these giant theories. But you, you know what that means you need to do when you see a giant theory? That means you need to study. Amen. That means you need to find out what the truth is. They're real sincere about this stuff. But listen, sincerity with all truth is still a lie. You can be so sincere about what you believe, but if it's not the truth, it's still a lie. It's still a lie. Your job is to study. Don't rely on what the TV's telling you about something. Just because Amy or Discovery Channel or Animal Planet, they have these pretty pictures of all this stuff and millions of years ago, they do all this and they show you all the pretty pictures and you're watching TV, you're going to suck that up and you're going to believe that you're gullible. Here's the thing that's interesting. It's called a book. See, it's, it's pages. It doesn't turn on or off. You don't even need to, you don't need to, you don't need to plug this thing in, see. It don't have a cord. You don't have to plug it in. You don't have to recharge it. You can take this thing up on a mountain. You don't have to worry about having electricity or charging up and read the book. Read books. It's okay to read. You need to study. Some of these giants that are going to come into your life, the uh, giant theories, giant questions, these things that are giants in your life that, you're going to have, that the devil in the world is going to send your way, you're going to have to defeat these giants by studying and, do, and finding out the truth. But you can defeat them. Amen, you can defeat these guys. Listen, you can defeat them. I've defeated them. And what it is, you're scared of them. You're scared of somebody asking you a question you can't answer. You don't have to have all the answers. You've got the right answer in Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. See, all you say is, well, I don't know that, but I do know this. There's one thing I do know. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll go to heaven. And if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to go to hell. See, you know these, you know the, you know the right answers to the right questions. 
Amen. Verse 25, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Look at verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Look at what David says. That he should defy the armies of the living God. Amen. I love old David. Here's old David, just a young guy. Young guy, he comes up there and he sees that 10-foot giant. And everybody's over there, knees just buckling. And oh, there's real scared. Oh, there's the giant. We better run. And David goes up there. Who is that guy right there that defies the armies of the living God? You see that right there? You see what's going on there? We don't serve a dead God. We serve a living God. Guys, as a Christian, you need to realize this. We're not serving a philosophy. We're not serving an idea. We're not serving a way of living. We're serving a risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who came up from the dead. He's alive today. I say this all the time, but you realize that Jesus Christ could walk through those back doors. He could walk through those back doors. He's alive. And that's what David's pointing out. David says, he's serving a dead God. We're serving the living God. Amen. That's we got God on our side, man. You, I see these Muslims and they get ah, la, 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 la. boom. They blow themselves up, you know. And they always talk about what did they say before they blew themselves up or shot up twenty people or killed all these people? What did they say? And they always say they said Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, which is God is good, God is great, God is good. But you don't ever hear them saying, "Help me, Muhammad. Help me, Muhammad." You know why? Muhammad's dead. Amen. Muhammad's in a grave. There nobody, no, no, there's no Muslim going to yell out, help me, Muhammad, because Muhammad can't help them. But how many in the sound of my voice, you Christians, how many in times of sorrow, times of pain, you've said, help me, Jesus? Help me, Lord? Why do you cry out like that? Because you're serving a living God. Man, you got to grab a hold of that stuff, man. You're serving a living God, a risen Savior. Buddha's dead. Muhammad is dead. All these fakers are dead. The Pope, he dies. They're dead. We've got the truth. And that's what David is pointing out. He's defying the armies of the living God. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Look at verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he had spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. So his own brother turns on David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. So David's up there, and David's pointing out that, Hey, who's defying the living God? And his brother gets mad and says, Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, David? Get out. I know who you are. I know you're full of pride. Here's the third thing you need to know, Christian. When you finally decide to get into the battle, because we all should be in this battle, amen. When you finally decide you want to start fighting for Jesus Christ, you want to get in the battle for Jesus Christ, your own family and your own loved ones are going to turn against you. All right, you got that? Be ready. And this hurts a lot of Christians because they get on fire for Jesus Christ and their own family starts turning on them. Just like what happened to David. 
I know thy pride in the naughtiness of thine heart. The naughtiness of thine heart. You think David had a naughty heart? Yes, he did. Yes, he did have a naughty heart. He's a sinner just like me and you. There's nothing special about David. David had the same sins you have. What makes you think David's so special? David later on was a murderer, was an adulterer. I don't know a lot of y'all in here has committed murder, amen. He was those things. David was a, had a naughty heart, but he had a heart for God. Amen. He wanted to do something for the Lord. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Amen. What's going to happen is, this is what's happened in my life, and I know it'll happen in some of y'all's lives. I, I want to serve the Lord. I want to do something for Jesus Christ. I want to fight in this battle. I want to be a soldier for God. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to have loved ones say, well, <laughs> I could tell you a few stories about him. I could tell you a few stories about him. Get ready. But let me remind these people, those stories are a two-way street. And you might have some stories on me, but I have some stories on you too, my friend. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You're going to run your mouth, but get ready for that. That's a two-way street. If they have stories on you, don't worry about it. You know, you have stories on them, and God has a lot of stories on them. I don't know anybody perfect. We all have a naughty heart. Amen. Amen. We all have a naughty heart. They might say this to you. You're not going to turn into one of those religious fanatics, are you? I've done that, man. Yeah. You're not going to turn into one of those religious fanatics, are you? They're so scared you're going to get close to God. You're going to turn into one of those religious fanatics. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking of all those years I've seen people drinking and partying and Liquoring it up and getting the beer. I've never heard somebody say, oh, 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 wait, wait. You're not going to turn into an alcoholic, are you? I've never heard that come out of somebody's mouth. But that should be the greatest fear they should ever have. Amen. That they take that beer and that beer is going to take them. But I've never heard that. I, I mean, I've been around drinkers all my life. I've seen people drinking beer all my life. But I've never seen somebody stop one of them. Hey, hey, hey. You're not going to turn into an alcoholic, are you? They wait till you are an alcoholic, you're down in the dumps, and then they'll turn behind your back and say, oh, he's an alcoholic, after you've already destroyed your life. Where's the warning? <laughs> I'm not worried about becoming a religious fanatic. I'm worried about not being fanatic enough. That's me. I know my heart, because I know I might could do something for Jesus Christ. I might could do a little bit for the Lord, but then I'm going to turn and do a lot of bad stuff. And I'm going to turn and not do something for the Lord. And the Lord's going to ask me to do something. And I'm going to turn and run. And there's going to be another giant come my way. And I'm going to run from that giant. But to the best of my ability, I would love to just be a religious fanatic for Jesus Christ. And a religious fanatic for Jesus Christ doesn't blow up buildings. Doesn't go up and shoot people. Doesn't kill people. A religious fanatic for Jesus Christ loves you to death. <laughs> doesn't blow you to death. Amen. I'm talking about being a religious fanatic for Jesus Christ. Amen. The ones that love you to death, they don't blow you to death. Verse 29, and David said, what have I now done? He asked his brother, what have I done? And that's a question to your loved ones. When they're questioning you and they're giving you a hard time, you say, what have I done? I'm just trying to serve the Lord. Good question. But here's the, here's the question I have for you. End of verse 29. Is there not a cause? David said, is there not a cause? Amen. 
guys, there is a cause. There is a cause. Is there not a cause? Hey, this guy's running his mouth towards Israel. This guy's denying the living God. Is there not a cause? Amen. There's a cause. There's a cause to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. Listen, I know it's a battle. I know there's giants. I know you're afraid. But is there not a cause? Yeah, there's a cause. There's the cause of Jesus Christ. Cause Jesus saved you from your sins and from hell. That's the cause I do it. I said, Brother Keegan, why do you serve Jesus Christ? I serve Jesus Christ because he loved me and died for me and saved me. And I feel like I owe him. He doesn't expect it. But that's the cause that I want to serve. I want to serve the cause of Jesus Christ because Jesus saved us from our sins in hell. And here's the second cause, because other people are going to hell without Jesus Christ. There's a, there's, a, there's a great cause to serve right there. Why are you serving Jesus Christ? Why are you living for Jesus Christ? Why are you trying to tell people about Jesus Christ? Because, because, because other people are going to hell without Jesus Christ. That's a great cause to serve. Those men and women that are on that board there, they're our missionaries, they're all over the world. Why are they giving their life up going all over the world? They're serving a cause. And they're serving the cause of Jesus Christ because there's people going to hell without Jesus Christ. Amen. First and foremost, they're serving that cause because they received that free gift of Jesus Christ. And second, the second cause is because... They don't want to see other people go to hell. They want other people to have Jesus Christ. See the cause? There's a cause this morning to serve. Remember when World War II hit? And Of course, I wasn't alive, but I read these stories that when World War II hit and all the stuff the Japanese were doing and, you know, the Germany was moving and Hitler was moving, there's people that joined the military because they thought that was a good cause. They said, we need to defeat these guys. You need to join the army of Jesus Christ. It's a good cause. It's a good, good cause. Here's the third cause you need to think of. I've given you the cause because Jesus Christ already saved us. We serve the cause because other people are going to hell. But listen to me. Listen to me this morning. We need to serve the cause of Jesus Christ because there's going to come a day. Each and every one of us who are Christians are going to stand before Jesus Christ and give account of what we've done and what we've not done at the judgment seat of Christ. Man, you want to serve this cause because there's going to come a day you will stand before him and you will answer. You'll stand before him and answer and don't have a good excuse for not fighting that giant. Don't have a good excuse for running away afraid. Don't have a good excuse for doing nothing for the Lord. And Jesus Christ is going to look at you and say, was there not a cause? Was there not a cause? Yes, there was a cause, Lord, and you won't have a way to answer. How ashamed will we be when we stand before our Lord and say, we're in heaven, we know we're saved, but we'll have to stand before the one we love so much and we know he loves us and we have to see that look of disappointment in his face. What a shame. What a shame. I want to read you this obituary. Maybe y'all have heard about this obituary. This obituary came out recently at the end of uh, January in Galveston, Texas. This is one of the most honest obituaries I've ever seen. I would love to have preached this guy's funeral, but they didn't hold a funeral for this guy. Listen to this obituary. Leslie Ray Charping was born in Galveston in 1942. It gives a date, which was 29 years longer than expected and much longer than he deserved. 
Leslie battled with cancer his later years and lost his battle, ultimately due to being the horse's rear end he was known for. <laughs> but they don't use horse's rear end in this. He leaves behind, he leaves behind, look at this, he leaves behind two relieved children and countless other victims, including ex-wife, relatives, doctors, nurses. At a young age, Leslie quickly became a model example of bad parenting. Combined with mental illness and a complete commitment to drinking, drugs, womanizing, and being generally offensive. Leslie enlisted to serve in the Navy. That's what we're talking about this morning, serving in the Lord's Army. Leslie enlisted to serve in the Navy, but not so much to be a brave and patriotic way, but more as part of a plea deal to escape sentencing on criminal charges. While, while enlisted, Leslie was a Navy boxing champion and went on to sufficiently embarrass his family and country by spending the remainder of his service in a mental hospital and for mental health care services. Leslie was surprisingly intelligent. However, he lacked ambition. Listen, guys. However, he lacked ambition and motivation to do anything more than being reckless, wasteful, squandering the family savings, and fantasizing about get-rich-quick schemes. That sounds like the majority of Christians today. When you take your last breath and you stand before the Lord, this sounds like the obituary the Lord is going to have to read for a lot of Christians. What were you doing? You were worthless. Leslie's hobbies included being abusive to his family, expediting trips to heaven for the beloved family pets, and fishing, which he is less skilled than with the previous mentioned. Leslie's life served no other obvious purpose. What an honest obituary. His family is telling the truth. This guy didn't have any purpose on life. Man, what... Oof. He did not contribute, contribute to society or serve his community, and he possessed no redeeming qualities besides quick-witted sarcasm, which, which was amusing during his sober days. With Leslie's passing, he will be missed only for what he never did. This is, I'm, not, I'm not making this stuff up. With Wesley's passing will be missed only for what he never did, being a loving husband, father, and good friend. No services will be held. There will be no prayers for eternal peace and no apologies to the family he tortured. Leslie's remains will be cremated, and listen to this, and kept in the barn until Ray, Ray is the family donkey, wood shavings run out. Leslie's passing proves that evil does in fact die hopefully marks a time of healing and safety for all. What a wicked individual that your own family would say that. Can I be so honest as to say I've preached some funerals that I thought that's probably what should have been read? Maybe not so harsh, but the truth is these guys were worthless. Did nothing for the Lord, did nothing for their family, did nothing for society. Is there not a cause? (laughs) Guys, is there not a cause to serve Jesus Christ? Amen. <laughs> is there not a cause? Where's everybody this morning? They're serving other causes. They're serving the cause of themselves. They're serving the cause of some other family member. They're serving some other, but they're not serving the cause of Jesus Christ. There's so many people around this community that could be in church this morning. And not just in this church, but in other churches. And I can promise you, they're not so full either. Who's forgot about the cause of Jesus Christ? 
David said, is there not a cause? <laughs> yes, there is a cause. And man, that's a, man, can you imagine somebody standing over your casket and saying those things that that family said about him? Man, I've told you a hundred times, I've got up at funerals and heard funerals preach and think I was in the wrong funeral. Oh, he was such a wonderful guy. He's such a loving husband. He was such a... He was a jerk. He wasn't... I'm just trying to be brutally honest this morning. Because the truth shall make you free, is what my Savior said. Amen. Thanks, Sister Carolyn. And he turned from him toward another, verse 30, and spake after the same manner. The people answered him again with the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. So Saul hears that David's running his mouth, saying, These are not a cause. Look at verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. I love David, man. Woo! David says, Hey, don't be afraid. He goes to the king, and the king is a seven-foot-tall guy. This king is seven-foot-tall. And he goes to the king and says, hey, don't be afraid of him. Why does he he think that? Because he's serving a living God. Amen, okay? Don't be afraid. Jesus is going to fight for you. Jesus is fighting for you. Don't be afraid. Because of him, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I'll go. I'll go. There's a cause, and I'll go and I'll fight. I like what he says here, verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. It doesn't look like there's a chance for David. And Saul says, You don't stand a chance, David. This guy's been fighting all his life, and you're just a little guy. You're just a young man. You don't stand a chance. You can't answer those giant questions that somebody gives you. You can't answer those giant theories. You can't. There's, don't get into the fight. There's no use. Your family's against you. There's no use to even fight. You're young. What are you doing? And David says, is there not a cause? I'm here because there's a cause. That's why I'm here. I'm not here. I'm here because nobody else is standing up. That's why I'm here. Look what David says. I loved it. Man, David said. Verse 34, David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. (laughs) Woo! One little lamb. One little lamb got took by a lion. You know what Jesus Christ said? Those that thou gavest me I have kept and none of them are lost. Jesus Christ is not going to let one of y'all get away. He's not going to let one of y'all get away. David said there was one lamb, and I seen a lion, and he came and got that lamb. And I think about this, guys, and y'all, a lot of y'all are going to be leaving out, and you'll see those sheep out in the fields, and there'll be hundreds of sheep. And I don't, I mean, hundreds of, it looks like a thousand to me. And I'm out there, and I think about that. It's like, what if, if I was out there, and those were all of my sheep, and I seen this, roar, this lion come, roar, and it grabs one of those sheep, what would I do? I'd think, man, that poor lamb. <laughs> Whoop. Tough luck, man. <laughs> I got another 999, so I'm not really worried about you. That's not how Jesus thinks. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. That's not how Jesus, that's how the world thinks. You know what the world says? It's evolutionary process. It's survival of the fittest. The world says it's survival of the fittest. If you're weak, if you're young, if you're not very strong, well, just tough luck, it's survival of the fittest. The weak are going to eat, be eaten by the strong. Not in Jesus Christ's book. Jesus Christ says it's not about the 99 that are found, it's about that one that's lost. Amen. God went walking through the cool of the evening in the garden looking for Adam. Adam? Adam? God was looking for him. If you're in here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ, he's looking for you. He's been looking for you. Amen. And listen, he loves you enough, he's going to fight that lion for you. He said, and when I went after him and smote him and delivered it, Jesus will deliver you from the mouth of that roaring lion, the devil. He'll take you out of there and say, he's mine, that's my lamb, that's my sheep, give him back. And David said, what did David say? He said, and when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. That's a man's man right there. Woo-hoo-hoo. Took that Come here, you lie. Can you imagine grabbing that lion and rah, 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 just like, man, I wouldn't want to mess with David. You know, it was about two weeks ago, me and my wife, we went down to Abilene to the zoo. And they had those big old animals in there. And you, you always see them. You see pictures of lions and you see them on TV. But man, when you get close up, man, those suckers are big. Man, they weigh a whole lot more than me. And you get to looking at that and that thing looks at you with those eyes and licks his lips. And you're like, oh, ooh, I'm glad you're in that cage and I'm on this side right here. I don't want no part of you. And you say, well, you're, you're, you're a tough guy. Well, I don't want to mess with one of those suckers right there. You know, just... Take your little food, kitty, kitty, and go on the way. You can have that lamb, but not in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, uh-uh, that lamb belongs to me. That's David. He's a man's man. And David said, moreover, verse 37, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion. <laughs> and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Ooh. He said, you know what, that same God that delivered me out of that line when I took hold of that line and slew him, he said, that's the same God that's going to deliver me out of that giant's hands. Listen to me. That same God that died for you on the cross of Calvary, that same God that rose the third day, that's the same God that's watching over you. And he will deliver you. Amen. There's no giant thing that's going to come into your life. There's no storm that's going to come into your life that you can't get through it without Jesus Christ. You can get through it with Jesus Christ. Amen. David has that faith, guys. You've got to remember what God has done for you in the past. Amen. Amen. You've got to remember what the Lord has done for you in the past. All those past prayers that have been answered, remember those. Don't forget them. It's so easy. We're so forgetful. We go through so many things in our life and the Lord delivers us and answers prayers and does great miracles and then we come into another giant. We come into another storm in our life and, oh, Lord, I'm going to drown. Oh, Lord, this giant's going to kill me. And David wasn't like that. David says, I remember doing this and the Lord delivered me. Hey, the Lord will deliver me again. That's what he tells Saul. And Saul said unto David, Go and let the Lord be with thee. You know what's sad about that is? 
you're going to have some Christians. When you get on fire for the Lord and you start really serving the Lord and you're starting to do something for Jesus Christ, you're going to have some Christians support you but don't want to fight with you. How many times when we go with those signs right there and we go stand at the courthouse at Hamilton, and there's a lot of us that do it, and we see people drive by, and what do they do? They give us a thumbs up, and they honk the horn. But how many could stop and pick up a sign and help us? I know everybody's busy. I know everybody's got a place to go, but what are you doing for the Lord? You're going to find this out, Christians. There's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be some Christians who goes, hey, man, I support you. You're doing a good job, but uh, good luck. <laughs> Have a good day. I'm going to stand right back here and watch the battle. Get ready for this, guys. Get ready for it. Verse 38, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail, and David girded his sword upon his armor, and he, sw- he essayed to go, and, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off of him. So Saul says, okay, David, I'm going to let you go out and fight this giant. And uh, tell you what, let me give you my armor, let me give you my sword, let me give you my stuff here, let me... Saul was seven foot tall, guys. David's a young man. This stuff's not going to fit David. David don't feel right and everything. You know what this speaks to? And I hate to say this, but it's so true. There are so many talented Christians. And I mean talented. They can speak like nobody's business. They look like a million bucks. They have all the brains that God could ever give a scientist. And they're not doing anything for God. They're like Saul. I've got the armor. I'm seven foot tall. I've got the sword. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just let you handle the situation. What a sad thing to see. I see so many, I mean, I see some Christians that are so intelligent. Man, what they could do for the cause of Jesus Christ, what they could do for that cause. And they just sit back on the laurels and they might show up on Sunday and they, oh, I love the Lord. And they go, there's going to be a payday someday. They'll stand, but remember what the cause was? It's not just for Jesus Christ saving people. It's not just because he saved you. It's because we're going to stand one day before him. And man, you stand before the Lord. The Lord said, I gave you so much talent. I gave you everything a man could want, and you did nothing with it. Oh, I've got a place for you in heaven, but man, what a shame. Don't you know there's going to be a lot of crying at the judgment seat of Christ? Amen. It will be. I promise you that. I promise you that. Look at verse 40. Let's see how David handles this. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, and even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. David's getting ready. And the Philistine came on drew on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he is but a youth and ruddy. And of a fair countenance. This is this a young man? This is this a young man down there? A pretty good looking man, ruddy looking. It means it's kind of uh, dark complected. It's a good looking guy. John looks at this, look at verse 43. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest at to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Notice what he says. You coming at me with staves? Am I a dog? He didn't look at the sling. He didn't notice the sling that David had. He just looks at David and looks him up and down. David's got this little staff and he's like, well, look at these coming at me with a staff. He forgot to look at the sling. He forgot to look at that little thing that every Christian's carrying around. 
called the Word of God. Boy, this thing sure does look harmless, doesn't it? It looks so, this little book looks so harmless, but boys, I'm I can quote some stuff out of here that'll get your blood to boiling. I've got some scriptures on the, uh, that I've been wanting to put on the back of my car, but I'm afraid to because somebody will probably burn my car to the ground. And all it is is just the words out of a Bible. It's just the words out of a Bible. They seem so harmless. They seem so harmless. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. See, the world has their own gods. Lowercase g. You see that lowercase g? They have the gods of science, the gods of education, the gods of sex. They, have, they all have their gods. But like I said before, all sincerity without the truth is still a lie. Verse 44, the Philistines said to David, come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Oh man, the Philistines talking trash. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear and with the shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Amen. So you're coming at me with a sword and a spear, and you're a pretty tall dude. But listen to me, man. I'm coming to you with the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, we got the name, guys. We got the name above all names. We got the name that every knee shall bow to, and every tongue shall confess. We got the name of Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. We got the name. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It says... But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. David says, The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Verse 46. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Man, look at the confidence of David. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. <laughs> I love that, man. You know, I'm going to kill you. That's what he says to that giant. Giant standing up there ten foot tall. There's this young little man. He says, yeah, well, let me tell you something. I'm going to kill you. I love that stuff. That's a, you know that movie Taken? I'm not telling you to go watch it, but there's a movie called Taken, and they steal that guy's uh, daughter. And he's like an ex-CIA guy, you know, he's an ex-bad bad guy, CIA guy. I mean, he's real tough. And they steal his daughter, and he finally gets the guy on the phone. He goes, listen to me. The guy, he, get, he finally gets the bad guy on the phone, and the good guy says to the bad guy that has his daughter, he goes, I will find you, and I will kill you. And you know what happens in that movie? He finds him, and he kills him. I love movies like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way God works. God says, yeah, it's going to happen. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Oh, there's no hell. I'll never stand. Jesus is so fake. I don't believe in all that stuff. There's a payday someday. Amen. It's coming. I don't care what you think, what you believe. It is coming. See, I'll defy it. You're not going to kill me. I'm going to take you and throw you. And David says, listen to me. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. I'm going to cut your head off, boy. I'm going to cut your head off. And I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. Amen. He said, when I'm done with you after I cut your head off and throw your body there and the Buzzards are down eating on it. They will know one thing. There is a God in Israel. Amen. Let me tell you something, Christian. Don't ever forget it. There is still a God in Israel. Amen. Don't mess with Israel, dude. Don't even mess with them. You see our government, mess, government messing with Israel? You better get on your knees and pray for our government. Because all our government's doing is trying to bring the guillotine down on our heads. Do not mess with Israel. Because listen, there's still a God in Israel to this day. 
But there's a God in Christianity too named Jesus Christ. Don't ever get that. Amen. Verse 47, And in all this assembly shall know. See, it says, he said, you know what he's pointing out? Everybody looking is going to know what's going on. Guys, there's people watching you. Christians, there's people watching you. And they're watching what you're going to do. How are you going to handle this giant? How are you going to face this giant? How are you going to face this storm in your life? They're watching you. They're watching you. You need to make an example. You need to be a David. You need to stand up and say, I'm going to kill this giant. And I'm going to cut his head off. Boy, I tell you what, when somebody says that, I get all calm. I get, oh man, the hair on back, my head raised up. Let's do this, man. Let's do this. Why, why, why? Because there's a cause. There's a cause. And when you're on the right cause with Jesus Christ, you will win. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. The Lord doesn't save with spear. How does the Lord save? The Lord saves by faith. The Lord saves by faith. See, David is going to be saved because he put his faith in a living God. Guys, you're going to be saved from a devil's hell because you put your faith in a living God named Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. And there's nothing you can and all the you could be a billionaire, you could have all the money, you could have all the intelligence, you could have all the you say, I've read every book, I've studied it all out. Yeah, but without Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. Because the Lord don't save that way. The Lord saves by faith in his son Jesus Christ. Amen. Know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Oh, how America's forgot that. America's forgot that the battle is the Lord's, haven't we? And it came to pass, verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. He's, whoo, one stone, pow, right between the eyes. And that, that ten-foot giant goes, whoo, boom. The taller they are, the harder they fall. Amen. I wish I would have been there. Man, when I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Lord, it's going to say, what, what do you want to do today, Keegan? I said, uh, Father, uh, can I just, could you rewind and let me go back in time and see David kill the giant? Man, I want to see that. And, but, but, Lord, I, I, I turn up the volume. Because <laughs> I want to hear him talking. Because I love, love, love what, you, what your great-great-granddad said. I love what your granddad said when he told him, I'm going to kill you. Oh, I want to hear it. And I want to see it. And he fell to the earth. Oh, yeah. So David prevailed, verse 50, over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. What was the sword? What was it that David just used little things? See, that sling was a little thing. That rock was a little thing. And God loves to use little things. And little gospel tracts, little words you say, little testimonies you make, God uses those. Because God loves to use little things. That big oak tree sitting out in front of our church, that thing is a big oak tree. But at one time, it was a little acorn. It was a little thing. And God loves to use little things. Why does God do that? Because He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. All right, let's just finish this up. And therefore David ran and 
Oh, this is my... Because see, when I was in Sunday school, they never taught me this in Sunday school. This part I'm about to read you, they always stopped right there. They always stopped. Okay, David, kill the giant. we okay, let's go. Let's, let's color our little coloring book. When I was in, they never talked about what happened next. Let's talk about what happened next. Amen. Amen. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. They never taught me that in Sunday school. It took me reading the Bible to find out that David took out that, that giant sword, just pulled that long old sword out, and he got that giant right there, and he went, shoo, cut that old nappy head off. And I can see David grab that old big old nappy head and lays it up like that. And when he did that, Philistines took off running. There is a living God in Israel. Amen. And there's that little boy, that young man, David. Yeah! <laughs> Holding up the head of the giant. You will get to kill the giant, guys, with the help of Jesus Christ. Man, what a victory. Don't you want victory in your life? Man, what a victory. When you get to hold up that old giant's nappy head. Yeah, he was talking trash, but looky here. There's a living God in Israel. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until they came to the valley, and they chased them all. So the last point I want to make is, when, when other Christians see you get the victory over a giant, you know what happens? It encourages them, and they join the battle. They join the battle. So it's our job to get people enlisted in the battle for Jesus Christ, for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's our, that's our job. Our job is to keep, in this church, is to keep fighting to keep soul winning, to keep handing out tracts, keep going to the corners, keep holding up signs, to keep doing something. Why are we doing that? Because we want to see other Christians see us get the victory, and maybe somebody else will join the battle. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know, a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now, you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.